Hey, my name is Ryan McVitie, and I am the pastor of the River Worship. Thank you so much for joining us on our podcast. If you haven't heard about the river yet, it's an amazing move of God happening in the greater Toronto area. Yes, Toronto, Canada. It's a cold place, but we have warm hearts, and we love coming together every Tuesday night and worshiping the Lord with all we've got. We also get to dive into the Word, and that's where we're going to go right now. We're going to dive into the Word of God, and I trust and pray that it will impact you in a powerful way. If you're ever in the Toronto area, come visit us. We would love for you to worship with us together. But enjoy the message, and God bless you. Amen. Hey, before you have a seat, We're going to get into the Word of God now, but before you have a seat, I have to tell you about the person who's coming up here tonight. Um, uh, We have the honor and the privilege, truly, of having my friend, a man that I've known for a very long time, actually. We both went to the same university, Liberty University in Virginia. We served at the same little church. We didn't know it. I think we were even on the same parking team for a season, season, him and I. Um, And now he's he's not at that little church anymore. He's at Elevation Church in Charlotte, North Carolina. Yeah, he's the campus pastor of Ballantyne, which is a a, a spectacular campus just south of Charlotte. And he's here tonight ready to bring the word of God. He is here with his wonderful family. His wife, Anna, is here. Would you give it up for her? Come on. Give it up for his better half. He would tell you that. She's right here. And I could go on and on and tell you about all the amazing things that he has done for the Lord because they are many. But here's something I really want to say. JJ, can you, can, Pastor JJ, can you come up here for a second, Pastor Jonathan Josephs? You know, he ministers in North Carolina, but you got to know something about him. Tonight is like a homecoming night because he's been lost down in that country of America for about 10 years. But he's Canadian and he's from right here, Stouffville, Ontario. So would you welcome home this man of God, Pastor Jonathan Josephs, as he brings the word. Stouffville, Ontario, make some noise. Oh, there's more of you than I thought. Everybody, this is really cool, really, really special. Yeah, you can be seated. Look at these elevation people. They just stay standing until the preacher seats them. That's real polite of you. Thankful to be here with you. This is really, really cool to see. Um, been hearing so much about what God is doing at this little thing called the river. This is unbelievable. And uh, who else but God? Who else but God? Look at how how special it is that people from every tribe, every nation every tongue, every denomination, every generation would gather in a room like this just to worship the name that's above every other name. He deserves all the glory tonight. And you did not waste your time coming out on a Tuesday night to worship him, Jesus Christ, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. One more time, let's just take a moment to fill this place with our worship and adoration. He's the only one who is worthy, all power. All dominion, all authority is in that name. God, we pray for a fresh wind to blow over this nation, God. Holy Spirit, move in this place tonight as we gather around your word. I thank you for each person who's in this room today, every one of your sons, every one of your daughters who is here today needing to hear from you. I pray for an encounter through your Holy Spirit tonight 
that we would leave here different because you met us here in your presence tonight. We give you glory. We give you honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I'm excited to open up God's word for you and with you tonight. And um, there's a scripture that God has really been speaking to me through. My favorite things to share are, are not things from that I've mastered in my own life, but things I'm working through myself. So we're in this together. We're going to go on a little, a little journey. I'm going to show you a picture of my family because people tell me that makes them like me more. And uh, you got that up there real quick? Okay. So that's my wife, Anna. She's a Georgia girl. Married her, stayed in the States, kept my citizenship, though. And um, my eight-year-old, his name is Zion. And uh, he, he's... He's like the sweetest kid ever. My, uh, the middle one there, Elias, he's five years old. He, he's, he's, uh, he's a thug. And um, Olivia there, she's, uh, she's 10 months old now. She was our little souvenir from a trip we took to Jamaica. And uh, Anna hates when I say that. She's like, no one wants to know where our little girl was conceived. They don't want to know all that. Um, so that's my family. And... And uh, I've, been at, I've been at Elevation Church for a decade now and uh, serving there. And it's been the privilege of our lives to just be in the middle of a move of God. And I hope you can make it Friday night to hear my pastor. He is my favorite preacher in the world. Scotiabank Arena, you heard all that. And uh, what else do I need to tell him about me? I don't know. If, we were, if, if there weren't so many of you, we would just like sit across from each other in one of these chairs. And I would just, we'd open up the scriptures together and just have a conversation. But... I want to I want to approach this this subject tonight. It's going to be from uh, uh, Mark chapter six, and really this came out of my own personal life. Not too long ago, I was in this place where I felt so spiritually tired. I'm not you know there's good tired and bad tired, right? There's like good tired because you just ran a marathon. I don't know what that's like, but you might know what that's like. <laughs> that's good tired, right? But then there's another type of tired where. It's deeper than physical. It's where you're spiritually tired or soul spent. You are so fatigued on the inside. Maybe you found yourself in this place before where, you know, there's all these good things that God has given you in your life. And you're kind of looking at them going like, God, I don't know if I have anything to give right now. This is where I found myself. And then what's crazy is I started talking to, you know, other pastors uh, around the country, other people in my church. You know, it used to be when you ask someone, how are you, they'd always give you the same response and say, oh, I'm busy. But I noticed a few years ago something shifted. People stopped saying they were busy. When you started asking people, no, how are you really doing? They'd say, oh, I'm just tired. And I know, I, I was wondering when, when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary, and I will give you rest. I never read in the scripture where he talks about the body of Christ having insomnia or narcolepsy. Like, why is the body of Christ so spiritually tired right now? And God showed me this scripture that I really want to open up with you tonight to look at that I believe is going to be helpful to so many of us. As we wrap up season five of the river, this is wild, by the way. Like, who the heck builds a room, this, an auditorium this big in the middle of a pandemic? Just believing people are going to come? Are you crazy, Noah? Oh, my goodness. I want to look at this scripture and talk to you about rest today because I believe that you, as a son or daughter of God, as a child of God, there is an invitation for you to enter into holy rest, real, deep, spiritual rest, rest 
for your soul. I'm not talking about relaxation, getting on Netflix for a little while. I'm talking about rest for your soul. And uh, there's this dynamic with the apostles in this passage that really drew, it to, drew me to it. You heard about the feeding of the 5,000 before? This is what happens kind of in the moments leading up to that. So I'm gonna start in Mark chapter six, verse seven. It says, calling the 12 to him, those are the 12 apostles, the 12 disciples. He began to send them out two by two and he gave them authority over impure spirits. These were his instructions. Take nothing for the journey except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money in your belts. Wear sandals, but not an extra shirt. Whenever you enter a house, stay there until you leave that town. And if any place will not welcome you or listen to you, leave that place and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. This is really cool. Verse 12, it says that they went out and preached that people should repent. They drove out many demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. Skipping ahead, we're going past the beheading of John the Baptist. That's a little, little dark for right now. So after preaching the gospel, preaching repentance, healing the sick, casting out demons, says in verse 30 is that the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all that they had done and taught. Then because so many people were coming and going that they didn't even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them leaving recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw the large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So he began teaching them many things. By this time, it was late in the day, so his disciples came to him. They said, this is a remote place, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But he answered, you give them something to eat. Isn't that just like Jesus? But he answered, they said to him, that would take more than half a year's wages. Are we to go spend that much on bread and give it to them to eat? I want to go back to verse 31 real quick is my key verse. Then he said to them, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. The announcement the Lord gave me to share with you tonight, River, is that rest is on the way. Rest is on the way. All who are weary and heavy burdened, come to me and I will give you rest. There is a prophetic word for the body of Christ today that rest is on the way, that it is not God's intent for you as his child to walk through this life tired with nothing to give, nothing to offer this world. Rest is on the way. Turn to your neighbor. I don't know if you do that here. You turn to your neighbors. Turn to your neighbor. Tell them rest is on the way. Yeah. So it's really interesting in this passage, at the beginning of it, we see Jesus sending the disciples. Everybody say send. That's the beginning of Mark chapter 6. He sends them. They'd been following Jesus for a while now, right? Watching how he does things, learning from him, studying under him. They'd seen him do so many amazing miracles at this point. And now Jesus is sending them with authority to do the same thing that they had seen him do. 
So they go out and they're casting out demons. It says that they're preaching repentance. They're healing the sick. This is amazing stuff that they're doing. They'd been watching Jesus do it, but now they're the ones out on their own doing it. And when Jesus sends them out, he doesn't send them out with a lot of provisions. He's like, don't take a whole lot of stuff with you. Just begin to move by faith and see what God can do through your life as you trust me and walk in the ways that I've been modeling for you. So the disciples, they go out and they're doing all these amazing things for God. And when they come back to Jesus, you can... You can hear the enthusiasm in their voice, right, as they're giving Jesus this report of all the amazing things that they did. You know, Jesus, uh, we remembered when you healed that woman with the issue of blood, and, and we were out there, and we met a girl. It was a little bit of a different condition she had, but it had separated her from everyone in her family and all of society, and she was an outcast too, and she felt like she had nothing to live for anymore, but we told her that there was power in your name, and we began to anoint her with oil, and she was completely healed. It was amazing. She was restored. Jesus, it was so cool to see God work through us like that, and then they just like tell them another story. Man, we were preaching repentance to people. There were people who had been so shut out by the religious systems, feeling like outcasts, feeling like because of the mistakes that they had made in their life that they could never have a relationship with God. But we got to tell them about the heart of the Father, just like we've been hearing you teach everywhere. And we got to tell them that through God, that they could have a relationship with him, that he was a father, that they were his children, and they were turning their lives around. They're giving them this report of the amazing things they've done. We're casting out demons in his name. And so after they tell Jesus all this, after... Their week must have been more intense than any of ours, right? Casting out demons, healing the sick, preaching repentance. I know we got busy lives, but my life doesn't look like that on a daily basis. After all that, what Jesus said to them must have felt like music to their ears when he says, hey, I know you've been doing a lot lately, but why don't you come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest, rest, rest. I know for all of us, when you think about our lives, it can feel so overwhelming sometimes. And I'm not talking about bad things. I'm not talking about being tired because you stayed out too late clubbing or looking at something on your computer that you shouldn't. That's, that's for season six. Ryan's going to talk about that when you guys come back. But how many of you know you can grow weary of even doing a good thing, of the good things in your life? That's why Paul says do not grow weary of doing good. See, when you hear grow weary of doing good, for people who have never tried to do anything for God, they're like, why would you grow tired of that? I thought it'd be amazing to serve God. I thought it'd bring me so much joy to serve God. But how many of you have been orienting your lives towards the purposes of God know that you can grow weary of doing good, of even a good work that God has asked you to do? You can grow tired of the good things that God has asked you to do. So it must have been so refreshing for them after being sent out by Jesus to now be being called in by Jesus when he says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. See, Jesus, you gotta know, he's always sending you, he's anointed you, he has given you authority as his son and as his daughter and as his follower to do good works. He is always sending you, but he's also always calling you. There is always an invitation for you as his child, to come to him to receive rest. So when he says that to the apostles, they're like, we're gonna get to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, we're gonna get a little Airbnb, maybe start up a campfire, hang with Jesus, hear what new sermons he's been coming up with, hear his five best keys for casting out demons. You know, they're like, we're gonna get away, it's just gonna be so relaxing, me, Peter, John, we could all hang out, be with Jesus for a while. But what happens when they get to the other side is, there are crowds of people who are hungry, waiting for them 
already there. And so now they go from one situation where they've been doing ministry and it's been hectic enough and it's been good, but it's been busy and they're tired and their expectation is that we're gonna get to the other side and then we're gonna get to rest. But when they get there, what's waiting for them? More ministry. Is this not a picture of our lives? We always think if I can just get to the other side of this season or this week, then I'll get a chance to rest. I don't know what it looks like for you. Maybe it's, if I can just hire this person, then I'll get to rest. If I can just fire this person, then I'll get to rest. If I can just get through this first year of marriage, if I can just get the kids into elementary school, if I can get through this season of ministry, we always think if I can just get through this, then I'll get to rest on the other side. But what's always waiting for you on the other side of your life? More life and life you didn't anticipate. When he sent them out the first time, they knew what they were going into. But this time they get to the other side and there are crowds of hungry people pressing up against them who are needy themselves. And these apostles, they weren't expecting this and they don't feel like they have anything to give. And that's how life catches us off guard sometimes too. Maybe you were prepared for one season thinking, if I can just get through this, then I'll get a chance to catch my breath. But you didn't expect to be caring for a sick mother. And you didn't expect your kid would have these challenges. And you didn't expect to be going through this in your marriage. So you get through one moment of ministry, one moment of life. You get through it all. And what's waiting for you on the other side? More. More ministry. I mentioned that I've been at Elevation Church for a decade now. And I don't know if you know much about our church, but we, we, we do a lot. We're way, way too extra. And uh, it was 10 years ago when I first got to the church, it was uh, January 2013, I just joined staff, I'm new to all this, and uh, I remember like the first few months like turning and being like, this is, a, this is a lot, I don't know if I can keep this pace up. And someone said, hey, don't worry, it's just a busy season. I was like, okay, we'll get through this, <sighs> then catch our breath. And then Easter rolls around and we're doing like 190,000 church services over Easter, and I was like, this is a lot. And someone says, don't worry, it's just a busy season. I was like, great. Then we go into summer. We're doing all this amazing outreach around our city. And I'm like, event after event after event. And it's a good thing. It's awesome. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. But this is a lot. And someone said, don't worry. It's just a busy season. I think it took me a whole year because I'm not the brightest guy to realize that it's always a busy season. So I'm like, where's my moment to catch my breath? This is where the apostles find themselves. They've been casting out demons, they've been healing the sick, they've been preaching repentance. Now's their moment to get some time with Jesus and when they get to the other side. Crowds of people who had been pressing up against them before have now followed them to the other side. And here they are, they've gathered around to hear Jesus. And it says that when Jesus saw them, he had compassion because he recognized that they were sheep without a shepherd. But the disciples, their response was completely different. When Jesus says give them something to eat, you can hear it in that text, right? All the different excuses that they start making. Well, Jesus, who's gonna feed them? We don't have anything to give them. And he's like, you give them something to eat. And they're like, do you know how much that'll cost us? It's really difficult to feed hungry people when you yourself are hungry. And there's so much going on in this passage. In fact, you actually never read about the people saying they're hungry, but we do read earlier that the apostles were hungry. 
And sometimes when we're in a place where we're so tired in our soul, depleted on the inside, we start projecting how we feel on everybody else around us saying, oh, they must be hungry because I'm hungry. Or they just required too much and I can't go to that church anymore. They were just asking too much. Everybody was burnt out. Everybody was burnt out? Or were you just burnt out? Everybody was hungry? Or were you hungry? And they said, Jesus, what are we supposed to do? He says, give them something to eat. They said, do you know how much that would cost us? That is one of the indicators that you are spiritually tired. Because here's what you need to understand. If you are a follower of Christ, God has given you not only authority, but God has given you an assignment. Whether that's in your workplace, in your family, in your school, in your community, God is wanting to use you. He's always assigning you. He's always sending you out to do good works. And he will require things of you that you don't always feel adequate to give. But one of the signs that you are spiritually spent is that every time God opens up a door for you to do, for him to do something good through you, your immediate response is to think about what you don't have or what it's going to cost you. So one of the signs for me that I was getting to a really unhealthy place in ministry is I remember this one of our other campus pastors, every time we'd go to a meeting, He'd come in with like 50 different ideas of what we could do to reach people and help people. And it was really, really annoying. You know that, you know that like overachiever in your class? is like that guy. He's a really good dude. And I'm so thankful for at least the awareness at that moment. I had to pull him aside one day and I said, hey man, you just got to know that every time you come into this meeting with a good idea, no matter how brilliant it is, when you ask for everyone's opinion, my response pretty much every time is going to be like, I hate it. And I told them, I said, it's not because it's a bad idea. I said, it's because I'm tired. And no matter what you bring up for us to do, all I can think about is what it's going to cost me. Anybody ever been in this place before? Yeah. Keep your hand up for a moment. Anyone ever been in this place before? where you're looking around your life at all the things that God has blessed you with and all the opportunities he's given you, all the doors that he's opened for you to speak life into someone, to encourage someone, to prophesy over someone, to serve in your church, to make a difference in your community, all the doors that God is opening. And every time he opens a door, it's like you don't even want to walk through it because you don't know, God, how am I going to feed all these people when I'm so hungry? You're a parent and you're trying to figure out how to encourage your kid when you need encouragement yourself. Or you're trying to walk through a friend through hardship when you don't know how to get through your own crap. Tired, on the inside, spiritually spent, fatigued. That is not God's heart for us as his children, as the people of God, as his church, as his body. He wants to equip us for every good work that he calls us to. But so many of us are living in this place. And here's what's powerful about this passage. That Jesus gives us the antidote, the solution to our spiritual fatigue. And it's when he says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. There's a little formula there. He says, come away with me by yourselves. Everyone say, by yourself to a quiet place. Say, quiet place and get some rest. Everyone say, rest. By yourself, quiet place, rest. God's antidote for our weariness, for our tiredness, is silence and solitude. Silence and solitude leads to real spiritual rest. Not only is this in the words of Jesus, 
when he says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. But ever since the time of Christ, believers around the world, those who have gone before us in our faith, have been practicing the spiritual disciplines of silence and solitude. I don't know if you've ever heard that term before, spiritual disciplines or spiritual practices, but these are things that God, tools that God has given us to cultivate intimacy with him in our lives, to form our spiritual lives, okay? So in my church, I never learned about silence and solitude. I learned about prayer. I learned about reading the word. I learned about fasting. Didn't try it too much, but I learned about it. But no one ever taught me about silence and solitude, getting away with God in a quiet place, absolute silence by myself, and how that would be so pivotal, not only in ministry, but for all of us in everyday life, to get alone with God where he can strengthen us and revive us and breathe fresh life into it. It happens in what's called, scripture calls, the secret place. Silence and solitude. Now, even as I say that, there's a part of you that's like, that sounds awfully boring. Maybe you're like me where it's like, I can't even stand to drive to the grocery store without making a phone call or some kind of distraction to keep me occupied. And while there's a part of you that's resistant to it, I know as I'm sharing with you tonight that there's a deeper part of you, your spirit that says, I need that. I need that. I've been tired, I've been weary, and I've been running to all kinds of different things to compensate for the place where I feel tired. And I just thought if I took that vacation, then I'd be better. But I took the vacation and guess what? I'm still tired. And there is an invitation for you tonight to enter into God's rest through the doorway of silence and solitude. One theologian called silence and solitude the furnace of transformation. What a beautiful way to describe it. The furnace of transformation. It's so accurate because silence and solitude is incredibly painful and incredibly transformative. And that's why even as I say it, there's a part of you that's like, what would I even do? What would I even think? There's a part of you that's resistant to it because it can be so awkward, so uncomfortable to sit in silence and solitude. I love worship music because it gives language to express what we're carrying in our heart that we don't always know how to express. It's a beautiful thing for us to just be able to pour out our heart to God with these words and these melodies. But there's something about silence and solitude where you have to sit in that place quietness, of stillness, and be with God, and even hear the own expressions of your heart. This um, Henry Nouwen, he was this uh, a, a Dutch priest. He actually spent the last decade of his life uh, working with develop, uh, developmentally disabled kids in Richmond Hill. Um, he wrote this book called The Way of the Heart. It'll take you like 30 minutes to read if you ever want to, but look what he said. He said, in solitude, I get rid of my scaffolding. No friends to talk with, no telephone calls to make, no meetings to attend, no music to entertain, no books to distract me, just me. Naked, vulnerable, weak, sinful, deprived, broken, nothing. It is this nothingness that I have to face in my solitude, a nothing, nothingness so dreadful that everything in me wants to run to my friends, my work, my distractions, so that I can forget my nothingness and make myself believe that I am worth something. Now that I've convinced you to never practice silence and solitude. Um, it's in the place of silence and solitude 
that all the other junk that we're carrying gets stripped away. Part of the reason that we're tired is because all the layers that we carry throughout our lives just trying to impress other people or make ourselves feel like we are something. But it's in the place of silence and solitude that all that scaffolding, all those layers fall away. You're not employee number 325 anymore. You're not Mr. Manager. You're not husband. You're not wife. You're not mom. You're not dad. You're not teacher. You're not student. You're not volunteer. You're none of that. It's just you in your nakedness, in your brokenness, in your depravity. It's just you as a child of God before him. It's in that place that real transformation takes place where God can rejuvenate and restore your soul. This is not one of those words to wrap up this season that's going to get you hyped up and on your feet. The power of this word is in the application. I believe that for us as the people of God, if we would take this into practice and begin to really spend time getting alone with God, we would experience transformation, real change in our lives that would allow us to live our lives in a way that's truly set apart from the rest of this world. So when they say, how are you doing? We don't have to walk around saying, oh, I'm just tired. I don't know what I'm doing. But we can walk according to the purposes of God and see an entire nation change because we're walking in the power and authority of those who have been with Jesus. Silence and solitude. So back in the fall, I'm in this place like I told you about. I'm crusty. I'm tired. I'm ah, ah, complaining about everything. And I'm so grateful that the Lord was beginning to illuminate what I was carrying in my heart. I said, I got to do something about this, man. God's purpose on my life is too big to be moping around, acting tired all the time, just settling in this place. So I was like, I just got to get alone with God. So I was grateful to be able to book a little bit of time away. And uh, even as I was doing that, I'm like, I know I got to be alone with him, but I was still like calling friends like, hey, you want to come with me? Because it's like, you're, you resist it, you resist it. And uh, thankfully, no one else could. And so I, um, oh, you don't have to play yet. Yeah, I was just... Can if you want, it's nice. Okay, so I go out to this, um, I go out to a few hours from us, out to this place on the coast, and I'm sitting, uh, sitting in this, like, field. It's so, it's so, like, picturesque. There's, like, butterflies going through the field and all that kind of stuff. And so everything around me was beautiful, but everything on the inside was just chaos. It was just a mess. I felt so broken. I was so scared. You know when you know you need something from God, but you're so afraid to do it because you don't know what's going to come up, or maybe you do know what's going to come up. And I remember just going out there, sitting alone with God, and it didn't take long before all, like, the voices that come in your head when you sit in the silence just start, like, chattering away, you know, telling you, like, I don't know if you get these voices, but, like, telling you why you're not good enough and why you don't deserve the life you have and all the ways you've screwed up and messed up. And this, that little voice on the inside that has us feeling burdened and tired because we walk around in way more condemnation than we need to. And that little voice got through its whole list of what's wrong with me, you know? Like Henry Nouwen said, I run around going like, oh, well, I'm a pastor and oh, I got the, all the things we hide behind. And when you get alone with God, you're just confronted with your own nothingness. And so the voice comes up telling you all the ways that you're broken and all the ways that you're flawed, all the ways that you don't deserve it. And once that little voice got through that list, the voice I heard next was quieter, but resonated so deeply. Just that still small voice of God, you know it when you've heard it before. That voice on the inside saying, and I still love you. And I still love you. Like, 
we live our lives running around sometimes thinking like, God, if I can just do this for you, if I can cast out those demons, if I can heal the sick, if I can preach repentance to the poor, then God, you'll love me. And yet, on the other side of all the ways that we're inadequate and broken and deprived in our, in our own nakedness and vulnerability, that's the place where we really hear his voice say, and I still love you. I still love you, my son. I love you, my daughter. Do you know how freeing that is? To hear the voice of your father reminding you that he loves you, not because of anything you've done, but scripture says, but because of his own grace. Not because of your performance. Not because of the things you did for him. Not because of the ways you messed up, but because of his own grace. It's such a freeing thing to experience. But hearing God's voice like that only really happens in the place of silence and solitude. And when it happens, when you hear his voice, and many of you in the room, you've had those moments with him where you've heard his voice and it's changed everything for you. We know what it's like when we experience it, yet there's something in us that's always running from it. Why do we do that? I bet you've never seen this scripture before. When I, when I saw it, I was like, what the heck? This is Isaiah 30. It says, this is what the sovereign Lord, the Holy One of Israel says. In repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength. But you would have none of it. You said, no, we will flee on horses, therefore you will flee. You said, we will ride off on swift horses, therefore your pursuers will be swift. Repentance and rest is your salvation. And quietness and trust is your strength. But you said, we will have none of it. And I know you don't get on horses, but do you get on your phone? Do you get on Instagram? Do you get on Netflix? When you hear that voice of God saying, hey, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place. Come, just be with me for a little bit, child. Be with me for a little bit. I want to speak to you about some things. I want to remind you of some things. I want to speak to you about who you really are. I want to strip some things away that you've been carrying. Our response is so often, but I'll have none of it. And so we run to all these other things to distract us, and we wonder why we're still so tired. But silence and solitude is the place of transformation. I want to read you the, the brighter part of what Henry Nouwen goes on to say. He says, solitude is thus the place of purification and transformation. The place of great struggle and encounter. Solitude is the place where Christ remodels us in his own image and frees us from the victimizing compulsions of the world. Solitude is the place of our salvation. Sounds like the prophet Isaiah. In, in quietness and rest, in salvation, and rest and repentance is your salvation. In quietness and trust is your strength. So my question for us tonight is for all the places where we're weary and where we're tired, I need you to know that there is an invitation to enter into God's rest, to really be with him, allowing God to speak to you, move through you, strip you away of the things that you've been carrying and experience real holy rest for your soul. Why? Not only so he can use you, but because God wants to be with you. Did you know that? Like I know sometimes we're like, God, use me, God, use me, God, use me, and he does want to use you, but God also wants to be with you. 
There is an invitation for you into rest. And I'm telling you, I promise you, it's not sexy to hear, but it is the place where God really wants to change your heart. It's amazing to come into an environment of faith like this and worship God and hear a word. And I believe in an impartation that can happen in a moment of faith where God just speaks, where God miraculously does something. But from that place, there's a part you gotta do. And there is an invitation for you to get alone with God in a quiet place by yourself, no distractions, nothing else to hide behind, but to simply be with him. Now here's the thing. The disciples, like, I'm reading this passage and I'm going, oh my gosh, these guys are so selfish. They're not selfish. They're just tired. Some of us in the room, we've been feel the enemy has been in your head telling you like, man, you are worthless, you are selfish, you don't really get this whole following Jesus thing. And it's not that you're a bad person, you might just be tired. And so I'm reading about the apostles going like, look at them trying to isolate, pushing people away. God is bringing people to hear from Jesus and they're the ones going, get them out of here, send them into the countryside, get them something to eat. But then I realized like, it's not the disciples' fault that when they got to the other side that there were crowds of people waiting for them, right? Like, I think that they wanted rest. I know we resist it sometimes, but I think when Jesus says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place, get some rest, they got in the boat, right? They got in it. They wanted to go to the other side. They wanted to be with Jesus. They wanted to hear what they had to say. But this is like, this is the hinge of my message. Y'all with me still? All right, this is the hinge. I'm reading this thinking like, wait a second. The disciples weren't running from rest. They wanted it. They had just done this ministry. They'd just seen God do great things. They're excited to be with Jesus. He gives them this invitation. It's not their fault that when they got to the other side, there were crowds of people waiting. So I can understand their response. But then it hit me. I think the disciples missed what we so often miss in our own life. See, we are always thinking of rest as a destination somewhere out there, you know? If I can just get through that vacation I got scheduled in October, if I can just get through the, if I can just get to over there, then I'll get a chance to rest. But when they get to the other side, there's crowds of people waiting. So where was the invitation for them to be with Jesus? Between verse 31, where Jesus says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest, and verse 33, where they show up and there's crowds of people. Do you know what comes between verse 31 and verse 33? Verse 32, you got it. Look at this, verse 32. Verse 32, going back to my scripture, you got it there? He says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. Verse 32, so they went away by themselves in a boat. What if the invitation for them to be with Jesus by themselves wasn't on the other side of the Sea of Galilee, but the invitation for them to be with Jesus was actually in the boat on the way from one side of the sea to the other side of the sea. See, when we, hear, when we hear Sea of Galilee, we think like sea, but this is not a sea, this is a lake. This is not a big body of water. In fact, we know that they didn't have to take a boat to where they were going because everyone who followed them, what did they do? They walked. So Jesus and the disciples could have walked from where they were going to where they needed to be. But Jesus doesn't ask them to walk with all the people. He gives them an invitation to be with him for a moment. And where does he invite them to? the boat. He says, come away with me by yourselves to a quiet place. And it says, so they got in the boat. That was their moment to be with God. I think we miss the moments that God has given us to really rest all the time in our life because we always think of rest as a destination on the other side. But rest happens on 
the way. Rest has to happen between one moment of ministry and the next moment of ministry. One season of your life and the next season of your life. If you wait till you get to the other side, you don't know what's gonna be waiting for you there. So you've gotta learn how to rest on the way. These transitions in your life are so pivotal to your faith, to what God can do through you, to sustainability in life and in ministry, is learning how to rest on the way. Richard Foster calls these little solitudes, little solitudes. Because we think, man, if I had three hours to get alone with God, I would certainly do it. Would you? I don't know. But do you have 15 minutes? Do you have five minutes? Little solitudes. I wonder what the little boats in your life are right now. For all the chaos you have, all the responsibilities, all the places where you're, you're, all the crowds, your crowded mind, your crowded calendar, I know it's all there. I'm not trying to diminish any of that. But I wonder, are there little boats, little solitudes that Jesus is inviting you into where you can just get a few minutes to be with him? If you need rest, he can give you rest. If you're hungry, he can feed you. Whatever it is you need in those little moments, those little boats, Maybe it's 15 minutes in the morning before you take off to just get with him. Sit in silence. Hear what he's speaking over you for the day. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father doing. I only speak what I hear the Father speaking. Do you know what the Father's speaking over your life today? The little solitudes. Maybe it's instead of putting on podcasts when you get into the car, just driving in silence and saying, God, help me reset my priorities and hear what you're speaking over my life in this moment. I've had to learn this because there are so many times where I went from my nine to five job at the church to getting home and I walk into the house and there's my, my real ministry to my wife and to my kids. And when I didn't take advantage of those little solitudes, sometimes I get into the house and Anna's like, hey, you're here, but you're not really here. Anybody else ever been like that before? It's like you're present in your body, but you're not present in your mind. And she's like, I need you here with the kids. And I'm like, I don't know if I have anything to give. I've been learning to take advantage of the little boats, the little solitudes, pulling in the driveway and taking five minutes to be like, Lord, let me cast all my burdens on you. I don't want to take this junk into the house. Let me tell you all my, let me give you all my cares because I know that you care for me. The little solitudes that God wants to give you. I promise you, child of God, that there are moments throughout your day where, there, where, where you can get alone with God just for a few moments to transition from one thing to the next thing. And the key to doing this thing sustainably is learning how to rest on the way. You know, when we were flying back, when we were flying in on Sunday night, you realize that the bigger the planes, the larger the runway that you need, right? Little planes can run on a, uh, can land on a little runway. But if, some, if a big plane, if it's carrying a lot, then it needs a lot more room to transition. And for those of us who are carrying just a great weight in our life, and that could be a good thing, that could be a bad thing that you're walking through right now, the more that you're carrying, the more time you need to transition so that you can learn how to rest on the way before you go into the next thing. So I believe that as you wrap up this season here at the river, 
that this was a timely word for some of you today who are at the point where you're like, I don't know if I can do this anymore. It's been encouraging. It's been inspiring. I thought about serving. I don't know if I'm going to serve. Maybe I'll do it next season. Maybe I'll do it this season. Or you're serving in your church right now and you're like, hey, I don't know if I have anything else to give. I've been doing this for a while now. I wanted to bring you this word today just to let you know that God still wants to use you, but the way to doing it step by step, faithfully, day by day, is learning how to rest as you go. So I just, the way I pictured it in my, in my silly brain is like standing on one foot. I think a lot of us are tired because this is the way that we're living our life. We're like doing for God, you know? When Jesus sent them, they're like, yeah, I'm on it, I'm on it. Heal, heal the sick, cast out demons, preach repentance. But remember I said that Jesus was not only always sending them, but he was always calling them. It's crazy, Jesus modeled this for them. They saw him cast out demons. They saw him heal the sick. They saw him preach good news. But they also saw him every day get away by himself to be alone with the Father. And yet we know that about Jesus, and yet why is that the thing we neglect in our own life? Here's the question. Did Jesus need to get alone with God, even though he was God? I don't know, but he did. So what makes us so arrogant to think that we can do this all on our own? If our model, our example, the second Adam, the firstborn of all creation, if he took time to be alone with God, what makes us think that we can get through this life without him? And so we're trying to go through life like this, being like, yeah, God, use me, Lord, use me, Lord, but, oh, man, I'm tired, and I feel a little bit unstable, and I feel a little bit unbalanced, and I don't know if I'm going to fall off this super skinny stage right now. <laughs> and we're trying to do it like this, but what Jesus modeled for us is not only is he sending you, but what you need to know, child of God, is that he's always inviting you to rest. And when you go like this, you can maybe do it for three months, three weeks, three years, maybe a decade, but eventually get to the point where you're like, I don't know if I'm going to get to the other side. So the invitation from God is for you to learn to rest on the way. On the way. So yeah, he's sending me, but he's also calling me. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cast out demons, but I'm also get alone with him in the secret place. And Lord, I'm going to heal the sick, but sometimes I need healing myself. So I'm gonna get with you, Lord, and let you touch me. And I'm gonna cast out demons, but God, then I'm gonna get in that little boat with you because I need some deliverance myself. And I'm gonna feed 5,000, Lord, even if I just got a few loaves of bread and a little bit of fishes that I stole from this little boy, I'll feed the 5,000, Lord, but I need you to feed me too. And suddenly this life that God has called you to has a rhythm to it. And it's not so exhausting because you're not trying to do it like this anymore. But there's a pace to it. And we're not striving anymore going, if I can just get over there, then I'll get to rest with Jesus. And then I'll get my chance to really be refreshed. But we learn how to walk and rest on the way. In the sending, in the doing, in the being, in the transformation to really be alone with God. people of God, then it doesn't feel like you're striving anymore. It's learning how to stride. Genesis 1 says that the Spirit of God hovered over the earth, but in Galatians 5.25, it says that the Spirit steps. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so this life that God has called you to doesn't have to look like this. It can look like this. 
it can look like this. I believe that God is doing something significant in this country right now, through places like the river, so many amazing churches that are represented in this room today. And God is moving and God is breathing and God has placed his hand on you. And if you are a follower of Christ, then he wants to use you. But I would hate to see us run this race getting weary along the way and giving up and falling short and not finishing the race well. Why? Not because the enemy won, not because he overpowered us, not because the culture was greater. What if we failed because we didn't learn how to really abide with Jesus as our source of strength, our everything, our power, our authority has to come from him. So for whatever great work that God wants to do in your life and in this area, I believe that it is so important that we learn how to rest on the way, to get alone with Jesus by yourself in a secret place, in a quiet place, and really learn how to rest, to learn to stride with the Spirit of God and cease all our striving and remember that as much as God wants to use you, he also wants to be with you. If you keep coming to the river, you're gonna hear Pastor Ryan preach all the time about how God wants to use you, no matter what mistakes you've made, no matter where, where you are in your journey of faith, no matter what you've been through, God wants to use you. He uses broken vessels like me and you all the time. God wants to use you. That's learning to do this. The other side of the message is that God wants to be with you. He made you, he knows you, he knows the real you, and he wants to be with you. He wants to speak with you in that quiet place. So stand up on your feet. Let me pray for you and as we take a moment to respond in worship. So I just declare Jesus' words over you right now. On the stillness and the quiet, Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Lord, I declare that promise over your people today. For those who are in situations right now that they never imagined, that they couldn't have planned for, that they couldn't have prepared for, that they didn't expect God. Lord, I pray that you would give them divine rest for their soul, that you would strengthen their feeble knees and weak ankles, to continue to walk into the purposes of God as they orient their lives towards serving you. I pray, God, that you would give them supernatural strength from the quiet place. I pray for those who have been striving and doing and running after you in some sort of effort to please you or win your approval. God, I pray, Holy Spirit, speak to their hearts right now and remind them that they, that they are already loved by you. Oh, what manner of love that the Father has lavished on us that we would be called children of God. I pray for the person who feels guilty and they're burdened with condemnation for all the places where they feel like they fell short and they couldn't make it to the other side, Lord. I pray that you would liberate them from that condemnation, that they would know that they're not bad, they're just tired, Lord, and that they would learn to walk in a different way. And Jesus, we pray that in these quiet moments, in these still moments, that you would open up our ears to hear your still small voice. That we would be open to whatever it is you want to speak. Your word is life. We want to hear your voice.
God, I believe that your spirit is moving in the hearts of so many people right now. As we wrap up this season, God, there's some people who felt like throwing in the towel, ready to quit because they didn't know if they could take another step, Lord. I pray, God, that, 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 that salvation would spring up in their own heart in this moment, Lord, that you would strengthen them, rescue them, give them the strength just to take another step towards you. Bless your people. Bless your sons. Bless your daughters. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, so I know they got a couple songs planned, and we're going to get to respond in worship. I pray that you would just make this moment, you know, a moment of rest for you. Like, don't feel like you have to sing all the words on the screen. Feel like you can just receive for a moment. Hear what God is speaking over you. Maybe there's some things that you're carrying in your own heart that you need to confess to him tonight. But before we do that, and there's a response for all of us tonight to just really experience God in this moment. I know you're not alone. There's a lot of people in this room, but you can be surrounded by people but still find those moments of intimacy with him. But I want to give an invitation right now as we wrap up season five of The River. Maybe, you've, maybe this is your first time here tonight. Maybe you've been coming for a little while and you're like, I don't know what this whole thing is about. These people really seem to love this guy named Jesus and they're worshiping him. They seem like fanatics. Maybe you're here tonight and over the last little while, you just feel this, you've been feeling this tug in your heart. This like, there must be something more. And it's the voice of your father in heaven who's calling you to himself. We don't choose God. You need to know that God chose you. And he's speaking to you today, and he's inviting you into a relationship with him. And the good news of the gospel, the good news that Jesus preached, and the good news that the apostles preached, is that you don't have to earn your way to God. There is nothing that you can do to earn his love. You know why? Because he already loves you. Oh, what manner of love that he has lavished on us, that we would be called children of God. So here's the invitation for you. The invitation is not to clean up your life, not to try to get it all together so that you can come to God, not to try to prove your worth. Your invitation today is to simply receive the grace of God that has already been demonstrated for you when he gave his son Jesus to die on the cross so that you can be forgiven. And he rose again so that you could have life. If you're here in this room today and you've never made the decision to respond to the invitation of your creator, your father in heaven, and to receive the gift of his salvation through his son, Jesus Christ. I believe that God brought you here tonight so that you would leave here redeemed, set free, and forgiven by the blood of Jesus. So here's what we're gonna do. I wanna lead you in a prayer right now. We're gonna pray out loud together as a family for the benefit of those who are coming to God in this moment. We're gonna pray it out loud. And when I'm done, if this invitation is for you and you're making a decision today to place your life in the hands of God, God, surrender to his son Jesus and live life by faith. You're going to raise your hand when I'm done. We're going to pray together. Out loud, repeat after me. Say, I believe that Jesus Christ is the son of God and the savior of the world. I believe he died and rose again to forgive my sin and give me life. I receive your grace by faith. Come into my life and make me new. If that invitation was for you tonight, when I count to three, boldly shoot your hand up in the air. Don't hesitate. Don't be ashamed. You're in a family of people who love you. One, two, three, all over this room. Shoot your hand up if that was for you. 
Hey, River Worship, let's give God glory. Come on, God bless you, my brother. If someone is around you with their hand up, give them a hug, give them a high five, welcome them into the family of God, and let's go ahead and worship God for the great things he's done. He loves us, he loves us, he's with us. 